Hello, this is Father John, Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 66th installment, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. The 133 presentations prepared by Pope John Paul II, delivered during the years 1979 through 1984. We are indebted to Professor Michael Waldstein, whose edition we are using, The New Meaning of the Body. When they rise from the dead, they take neither wife nor husband. Mark chapter 12, verse 25. Christ speaks these words which have a key meaning for the theology of the body. After having affirmed in the dialogue with the Sadducees that the resurrection conforms to the power of the living God, all three synoptic gospels report the same statement except that Luke's version differs in some details from Matthew's and Mark's. Essential for all three of them is the observation that in the future resurrection, human beings, having regained their bodies in the fullness of the perfection proper to the image and likeness of God, having regained them in their masculinity and femininity, will take neither wife nor husband. Luke chapter 20, verses 34 and 35, expresses the same idea with the following words, The sons of this age take wife and take husband, but those who are considered worthy of the other world, and the resurrection from the dead take neither wife nor husband. Luke chapter 20, verses 34 and 35. As is clear from these words, marriage, the union in which, as Genesis says, the man will unite with his wife and the two will be one flesh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, a union proper to man from the beginning belongs exclusively to this world. Marriage and procreation do not constitute man's eschatological future. In the resurrection, they lose, so to speak, their raison d'etre, that other world about which Luke speaks, Luke chapter 20, verse 35, means the definitive fulfillment of the human race, the quantitative closure of that circle of beings created in the image and likeness of God, in order that multiplying through the conjugal unity of the body of men and women, they would subdue the earth to themselves. That other world is not the world of the earth, but the world of God, who, as we know from 1 Corinthians, will completely fill it, becoming all in all. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 28. At the same time, that other world, which according to Revelation is the kingdom of God, is also man's definitive and eternal fatherland. See Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It is the Father's house, John chapter 14, verse 2. That other world as man's new fatherland comes forth definitively from the present world, which is temporal, subjected to death or the destruction of the body. See, to dust you will return, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, through the resurrection. The resurrection, according to Christ's words, reported by the synoptics, means not only the recovery of bodiliness and the reestablishment of human life in its integrity through the union of body and soul, 
but also a wholly new state of human life itself. We find the confirmation of this new state of the body in Christ's resurrection. See Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. After Christ's resurrection, the words reported by the synoptics, Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, Mark chapter 12, verse 25, Luke chapter 20, verses 35 through 36, must have sounded with, I would say, new demonstrative power for those who had heard them, and at the same time, they must have acquired the character of a convincing promise. For now, however, we will dwell on these words in their pre-Paschal phase, basing ourselves only on the situation in which Christ spoke them. There is no doubt that already, in the answer given to the Sadducees, Christ reveals the new condition of the human body in the resurrection, and he does so precisely by proposing a reference to and a comparison with the condition in which man shared from the beginning. The words, take neither wife nor husband, seem to affirm at one and the same time that human bodies which are recovered and also renewed in the resurrection will preserve their specific masculine and feminine character, and that the meaning of being male or female in the body will be constituted and understood differently in the other world than it had been from the beginning and then in its whole earthly dimension. The words of Genesis, a man will leave his father and his mother and unite with his wife, and the two will be one flesh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, have from the beginning constituted the condition and relation of masculinity and femininity, extending also to the body, which must rightly be defined as conjugal, and at the same time as procreative and generative. In fact, it is connected with the blessing of fruitfulness pronounced by God, Elohim, at man's being created male and female. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The words Christ spoke about the resurrection allow us to deduce that the dimension of masculinity and femininity, that is, being male and female in the body, will be newly constituted in the resurrection of the body in that other world. Spiritualization. Is it possible to say something in more detail about this topic? Without any doubt. Christ's words, reported by the synoptics, Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 40, authorizes us to do so. There we read, in fact, that those who are considered worthy of the other world and the resurrection from the dead cannot die any more because they are equal to the angels. And being sons of the resurrection, they are sons of God. Matthew and Mark report only the words, they will be like angels in heaven. This statement allows us, above all, to deduce a spiritualization of man according to a dimension that is different from that of earthly life and even different from that of the very beginning. It is obvious that we are not dealing here with a transformation of man's nature into an angelic, that is, purely spiritual nature. The context indicates clearly that, in the other world, 
Man will keep his own psychosomatic nature. If it were otherwise, it would be meaningless to speak about the resurrection. Resurrection means restoration to the true life of human bodiliness, which was subjected to death in its temporal phase. In Luke's expression just quoted, Luke 20, verse 36, compare Matthew 22, verse 30, Mark chapter 12, verse 25, we are certainly dealing with human, that is, psychosomatic nature. The comparison with heavenly beings used in this context is nothing new in the Bible. Already, Psalm 8, when it exalts man as a work of the Creator, says, You have made him little less than the angels. Psalm 8, verse 6. One must suppose that in the resurrection, this likeness will be greater, not through a disincarnation of man, but by another kind. One could also say another degree of spiritualization of his somatic nature, that is, by another system of powers within man. The resurrection signifies a new submission of the body to the spirit. Before we begin to develop this topic, one should recall that the truth about the resurrection had a key meaning for the formation of theological anthropology as a whole, which could simply be considered anthropology of the resurrection. Reflection about the resurrection led Thomas Aquinas in his metaphysical and simultaneously theological anthropology to abandon Plato's philosophical conception on the relation between the soul and the body and to draw near to Aristotle's view. In fact, the resurrection attests, at least indirectly, that in the whole of the human composite, the body is not, contrary to Plato, only temporarily linked with the soul as its earthly prison, as Plato maintained, but that together with the soul it constitutes the unity and integrity of the human being. This is precisely what Aristotle taught, in contrast to Plato. When St. Thomas, in his anthropology, accepted Aristotle's conception, he did so because he considered the truth about the resurrection. In fact, the truth about the resurrection clearly affirms that man's eschatological perfection and happiness cannot be understood as a state of the soul alone, separated, according to Plato, liberated from the body, but must be understood as the definitively and perfectly integrated state of man, brought about by such a union of the soul with the body that it definitively qualifies and assures this perfect integrity. At this point, we interrupt our reflection on the words Jesus spoke about the resurrection. The great richness of contents hidden in these words leads us to take them up again in further considerations. And with these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concluded his 66 catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, a theology of the body. And to better situate ourselves to appreciate this catechesis, it's important for us to remember that we are in the first part of the two parts of the theology of the body. The first part focuses our attention on the words of Christ. What did Jesus say while he was amongst us, while he walked on the face of the earth? The first chapter of the first part, Christ appeals to the beginning. 
The question then was from the Pharisees. Moses permitted a bill of divorce. Jesus reminds us, it was not that way in the beginning. A man leaves his father and his mother and he clings to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. We have the original unity, the original holiness, the original purity, and sadly, the original sin with its sad consequences. The second chapter of the first part, Christ appeals to the human heart. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. I say, whoever looks with the disordered desire upon the other has already committed adultery in the heart. So now we're called to be pure not only in our deeds, but in our desires. The 66th Catechesis, which we've just heard, is from the third chapter of the first part of John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Christ appeals to the resurrection. The Holy Father is addressing the synoptics as they present the question of the Sadducees regarding the resurrection. Jesus responds to their question, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Remember, she married all seven. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is with whom Moses spoke at the burning bush. The two headings which our Holy Father gives us in the 66 Catechesis focus our attention on the new meaning of the body in the resurrection and the spiritualization of the body in the resurrection. So that's a little contextualization for our catechesis to see where we've been and where we are. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are the synoptic gospels. And the Holy Father in this catechesis, number 66 of the 133, quotes St. Mark, chapter 12, verse 25. When they rise from the dead, they take neither wife nor husband. Marriage is for this side, this side of eternity, to populate the earth, to grow in virtue. And when one is faithful to the vows of holy marriage, heaven awaits. Pope John Paul II says of these words of Christ, when they rise from the dead, they take neither wife nor husband. These words of Christ have a key meaning for the theology of the body. We cannot understand the theology of the body if we only recall Christ's words appealing to the beginning. If we only appeal to Christ, appeal to the human heart, we need to remember Christ's appeal to the resurrection. He spoke these words even before his terrible passion. He spoke these words even before he rose himself from the dead. How many people in our own day and age live as if there is no tomorrow, if there is no eternity, if there is no life after death, as if there is no heaven or hell. This is why Pope John Paul II, in part, went to the trouble to give these 133 conferences, his Wednesday catechesis, to remind us of the reality of the resurrection, the future resurrection. We have been raised with Christ in the saving waters of baptism, sure, and for those times when, sadly, we sin, if we repent and confess our sins, we have a a rising of sorts there, but the definitive resurrection on the last day, we await this. The grave is a sign of hope for us. This is where I will rise. This is where so-and-so will rise who was buried here on this day. We await the resurrection of the body in joyful hope as we await the return of our Lord in glory to judge the living and the dead. Not only do we await the future resurrection, but we will have our bodies regained. They will be given back to us. The body and soul reunited as they were meant to be from all eternity. Remember, death entered the world through sin. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first Easter, this is what gains us 
our bodies back. This is what gains us immortality on high. Speaking of the resurrection of the body, the body regained, the future resurrection, Pope John Paul says, the fullness of the perfection proper to the image and likeness of God will be ours in the resurrection. Remember, impassibility is a quality of the resurrected bodies, the risen bodies, the glorious bodies. Impassibility means not able to suffer. Immortality, unable to die. Isn't this part of God's image? Isn't this part of God's likeness? It's part of God's reality, and he has made us like himself. And he makes us even more like himself by grace and faith and redemption. And on the last day, in the resurrection, we shall rise as the Lord Jesus has been raised. Pope John Paul II, in this 66th Catechesis, speaks to us about how neither wife nor husband are taken in the resurrection. Marriage is for the here and now. Pope John Paul II says marriage belongs exclusively to this world. Be fruitful and multiply. Those are words we heard in the beginning. But marriage and procreation do not constitute, make up, part of our eschatological future. It's for the here and now, not for the hereafter. This is why procreation is so important. Together with God, the husband and the wife, the father and the mother, bring one more soul into existence. The parents giving the matter and God giving the form, the body and the soul. We should pay attention that our Holy Father shows marriage and procreation to be united here. And so often people attempt to separate those two. Procreation is a part of marriage, traditionally said to be one of the primary ends, if not the primary end or goal of marriage. Why bother exchanging those holy vows? Why bother committing yourself till death do you part? For the good of the children, for the good which is procreation. In heaven, though, none of that. Pope John Paul II tells us in this 66th Catechesis, man and woman, he created them a theology of the body, that there will be a qualitative closure to that circle of beings created in the image and likeness of God on the last day when the trumpet sounds. Quantitative closure. That means no more added. When the Lord should wrap up history on a day at an hour we do not know, but he knows... That is when the full number shall be gathered in. How many have been conceived up until that point? How many have been born? How many have died? These are the numbers which will be reckoned with on the last day. This 66th Catechesis has Pope John Paul II addressing the other world. The other world is the kingdom of God. The other world is the fatherland. He refers us to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. The other world is the father's house. He refers us to John chapter 14, verse 2. In this world, we are given and taken in marriage so often, huh? Till death do us part. And that's the second part of the theology of the body, focusing on the sacrament of holy marriage. But we're not quite there yet. We're still in the beginnings of this third chapter of the first part. Christ appealed to the resurrection. In the resurrection, in the other world, in the world to come, they will take neither 
husband nor wife. We have our own fatherland where we are born, our native place, our homeland. But for those of us who have been born anew of water and the Spirit, we know that our fatherland is heaven. This is where we belong. This is that place for which we long, the Father's house. What does the Lord say to us? I'm going to my Father's house. In my Father's house there are many mansions. Why would I say, I'm going to prepare a place for you where I am, you also may be. These are references to the other world. Jesus' encounter with the Sadducees, where they asked him, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? This occurred before his own resurrection. These pre-Paschal words of Jesus Christ will be all the more forceful after his own resurrection. But Pope John Paul II is trying to follow the text as given, not trying to necessarily read back into it. The Holy Father reminds us that there are several different meanings of the resurrection which we should keep in mind in this 66th Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. Resurrection means Recovery of bodiliness. Resurrection means reestablishment of human life in its integrity. Resurrection means union of body and soul. Resurrection means a wholly new state of human life. To say that the resurrection means recovery of bodiliness is to say we get our bodies back. The soul, once brought into existence at conception, nothing can kill the soul, but our bodies decay, dust unto dust. But in the resurrection, our bodies are recovered, given back to us. Our human life is reestablished in its integrity. There is a continuation of human life, at least as far as the soul is concerned. The soul does not go out of existence when one dies, but it is longing for the body, for we are body-soul composites, and so the body and soul are integrally reunited, reestablished in the resurrection. The Holy Father simply puts it union of body and soul. That's what resurrection means. And what's the opposite of that? Death, the separation of body and soul. A wholly new state of human life. How can the Holy Father say resurrection means a wholly new state of human life? Well, it's because it is an immortal life, and we do not experience that in our own day and age. How many births, how many deaths, but we do not experience just quite yet that holy new state of human life which is immortal, which is impassable, which is agile, which is clear. For this we long. We long for heaven and God's mercy. Pope John Paul II in this 66th Catechesis teaches us that to be male or female in the body will be constituted and understood differently in the other world, in heaven, the fatherland, the kingdom of God, the Father's house. The Holy Father spent the first chapter of the first part of the theology of the body, Christ appeals to the beginning, to speak to us of a real understanding of what it means to be male or female in the body. Part of the good creation, God saw all that he has made, and it was good. And God will see what he has remade in the resurrection of the body, and it will be good. But while in the beginning, part of the goodness of the human body, male and female, was ordered to procreation, be fruitful and multiply, 
in the other world, in the life to come, in the resurrection of the body, there will be none of that. The Lord Jesus himself says, they are neither taken nor given in marriage. He reminds the Sadducees that they are greatly mistaken. They do not understand the scriptures, they do not know the scriptures, and they do not know the power of God. We who believe in Christ Jesus, in his resurrection, we know the power of God and we know the scriptures. We understand them by God's grace. And it takes God's grace to be saints as husbands and wives in this world or even as chaste celibates. Pope John Paul II further cites sacred scripture in this 66th catechesis. In the resurrection, we are equal to the angels. We are like the angels. This is not to say that our nature, our human nature, is transformed into an angelic, purely spiritual nature. And here we see the Holy Father gearing up for the spiritualization of the risen bodies. Agility, able to go where we wish. Our Lord able to appear in a locked room, not bound by the walls or the lock. In this 66th Catechesis, Pope John Paul assures us that the resurrection signifies a new submission of the body to the spirit. The body and soul are a composite unity, the human person. I'm not just my body, and I'm not just my soul. At death, the body and soul are separated, but in the resurrection, they're reunited. And even as in life, before death, before the resurrection... We can raise our hand when we say, I'm going to raise my hand to ourselves. I'm going to sit up now. I'm going to sit down now. And our bodies respond to our minds, to our wills, to our souls. But sometimes we know we trip over our left foot or we have two left feet. We're not always as nimble as we would like. In the resurrection of the glorified, of the saints. There is a new submission of the body to the spirit, and there is a perfect harmony. As for those who do not rise to glory, but who rise to everlasting punishment, perhaps their lot is not as nice. But the Holy Father does not address that, per se, in this 66th Catechesis, man and woman, he created them a theology of the body. Pope John Paul II wraps up this catechesis, the third chapter of the first part, by reminding us that the truth about the resurrection has a key meaning for theological anthropology, and in point of fact, it could be called an anthropology of the resurrection. So a theological anthropology is an anthropology, a study of man in light of God and what God has revealed. There's a natural theology and a supernatural theology. Because the Holy Father is focusing on the words of Jesus Christ, he's focusing on a supernatural, a re divine revelation form of theology. The truth about the resurrection has a key meaning for theological anthropology. It's not to say that the Holy Father's earlier focus on Christ's appeal to the beginning or Christ's appeal to the human heart are not significant for a theological anthropology, but so too this aspect. And there are some who have discounted or downplayed the resurrection. But St. Paul reminds us that if Christ has not been raised, our faith is in vain. Christ has been raised. 
And we celebrate his resurrection not only on Easter Day or during the octave of Easter or even just during the 50 days of Easter, but it is our hope and our salvation. Christ has been raised, the firstborn of many brethren. We look forward to our own resurrection on the last day at the end of time. May we be ready. The truth about the resurrection has a key meaning for the theological anthropology, the anthropology of the resurrection. What will human life be like in the world to come? In the other world, the kingdom of God, the fatherland, the father's house. This is part of the Holy Father's work, which he has now realized since we call him Blessed John Paul II. May we live according to God's holy plan, God's holy will for us, conforming our desires and our deeds to God's call to holiness. Until next time, God bless you.